They just came on now. Let's try to get closer to the stage. Sorry. Excuse me. Do you want to go on my shoulders? Yeah, that'd be unreal. Thanks. Wow. Three celebrates connections made by music this summer. Find out more at 3.ie forward slash music. I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? the intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show After several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me. And now with our network of podcasters, just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Sonata Walker here with Mental Health News Radio. I'm on with my editor and also the host of Hysteria Radio, Joe Fusaro. Hey Joe. Hey, good evening, Kristen. Good evening, everyone. Joe has ultimate control of this entire show that we're doing right now, and all my shows, actually, now. So, And I have Yay. no control over what I say. So, <laughs> <laughs> And we're here with two friends of yours, Mike Esposito and John Tessitore. Tessitore, Tessitore. Oh, whatever sounds better to you. I love it. Gosh, <laughs> I blew it so quickly. I always, like, oh. All anyway. right. See, I put an E when I typed it at the end of it, but anyway, um, and I shouldn't have done that. All right. So Mike and John, tell our listeners, you're, you founded the JCK Foundation. Tell our listeners what that is. Absolutely. So uh, the JCK Foundation was founded in honor of John Cleaver Kelly, who um, was my role model growing up. Uh, he had OCD. I had OCD. So we really confided in each other. And um, he was just the man. Like the best way to describe him is literally as the man. He had he had a heart of gold. He he always looked out for other people. He always wanted to help other people. And he made me feel comfortable in my own skin when I was suffering. And unfortunately, John passed away in 2011. And uh, we wanted to do something to honor him. So, so we started this foundation to make people feel comfortable, to make people feel like they could be be better in their own skin. And we've really made some some nice strides in the past few years, including uh, hiring our first full-time employee, director, Mike Esposito. <laughs> nice. Oh, man, what an intro. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, me and John met in college, and I was really watching from afar after I graduated and seeing what he was doing. It started with a softball tournament. It turned into an amazing grant at Brooklyn College. And I approached him about 
18 months ago and asked him, hey, how can I help um, just as a volunteer? And he wanted to start a podcast. So he said, you know, can you learn how to edit? I said, sure, give me a month. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we got up in editing and we started with the podcast and then I got more involved and more involved and saw what this could be. And now, you know, we're trying to take us both full time and really take this foundation to, you know, to a national stage. Awesome. And so what give us some ideas of what you events and things that you do with the foundation. Yeah. So what we do actually this weekend, we have um, now the eighth annual JCK Legend Softball Tournament. And it's 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 just an absolutely beautiful day. You know, I'll never forget it started um, with just me and my buddy Kevin Farrington sitting in a room eight years ago saying, you know, what can we do to honor John? Because we're all really devastated by his loss. And, you know, it, was, it came as a shock to a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And we we said, all right, like, you know, we love having people together. Let's start the softball tournament. And um, we got 50 people to come out in two weeks. It was pretty intense. And it was just a day where everyone was so happy and everyone was so energized. And and you just felt John's vibes the whole time. And you like, you felt him there. You really did. And I remember after that, we said, oh, we got to keep doing this. We can't stop this. So so now we're on number eight this weekend. And now we have over 150 uh, participants. And we have over 150 spectators as well. And it really has turned into something that's, you know, not only special to us, but really special to our community, really special to our town. And and now more so really special to, you know, a lot of other communities, a lot of other people who who deal with mental health disorders. It's it's important because it's it started as something to honor John and now um, it's giving hope to a lot of people. And we look to spread that and we look to spread that hope to as many real towns as possible, as many stories as possible. How do you guys, I know we're going to get into our topic, which is spiritual warfare, and that leads to sometimes anxiety, but I, I want to ask this first. How comfortable it, are you guys or, or are your group of peers about talking about mental health issues and things like that? I know that Joe and I are because, you know, we're in this mental health bubble, <laughs> yeah. but I always want to check people at different age ranges. I think you guys are probably around my son's age. So you're in your late twenties, probably I could be wrong. Middle twenties. Okay. And so I, you know, this, how there's a lot of dudes your age that wouldn't touch this subject with a 10 foot pole, but maybe that's from, you know, when I was growing up, is it different now? Do, does it feel like you have more places to talk about these things? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it's interesting because, you know, it really comes from two perspectives. You have the sufferer's perspective and the non-sufferer's perspective. And I think that's what's so special right now about, about what, what we're doing at the organization is because I'm someone who's, who's suffered my whole life, you know, ever since I can remember in, you know, the sixth grade, I was going through these things and, and I always, personally, I always thought I was always afraid to talk about this. Not, not necessarily afraid, but I was more so embarrassed and ashamed because I thought, Oh, what if, what if people think I'm a weirdo? What what if my, what if my friends and and what if my friends don't accept me? What if my family doesn't accept me? And then uh, after everything happened with John, uh, I started saying, no, I, I got to talk about these things. You know, this is what John and I talked about all the time. We got to spread this and we have to make sure people don't fear what's going on in their heads because if you're able to share these things and you're able to talk about it, you know, at your own pace, it's, it's a different pace for everyone. But I'll, I'll tell you one thing as a sufferer, but I'm able to talk about these things uh, to a whole community. You know, all those 150 people at the tournament, I feel comfortable talking to because they get it. They want to help. They know how important it is. They've, they've, they've lived it, you know, and we, I want to always be able to say, listen, like, 
don't ever be afraid to talk. And that has helped me so much as a sufferer. And, and Mike, as a non-sufferer, I would say, um, how would you feel about that? Um, definitely. I mean, I, I had it in my family growing up. So it was more me being aware of my family having different struggles and, you know, not really wanting to tell anybody that, hey, you know, you know, my dad's going through this, my cousin's going through this. So I just kept it in and I just thought everything would be okay and that they sort of had to deal with it on their own time. And it wasn't until much later that I was struggling with things in my life. And I'm like, wait, nobody put me in this diagnosis box. Nobody gave me OCP. Nobody gave me depression. But I really feel awful this year. And these things are really affecting me. And it was at right. that point that, you know, that I met John and started working on this. And I said, oh, my God, I had the same revelation. I need to talk about these things. How can I not? And someone as, hey, I'm not diagnosed, but I'm struggling to, to bring that up was sort of the counterpoint to John and we can really, you know, we learned to sort of attack it from two angles and we really got our friend groups comfortable talking about this in different ways. And that's been wildly rewarding in ways we didn't even know. Yeah, and to add to that, it just feels so, it just feels so nice when you don't have to, you know, the, the thing I love the most is you don't have to worry about, you know, really sharing your deepest, I'm, I don't wanna say your deepest and darkest fears, but I can really tell Mike kind of anything. And, and, you know, when you work together, you know, sometimes we say, all right, like, you know, we, we take care of each other. We take care of each other's mental mental health because we know the value of that. We know how important yes. that is. And and it's so, again, it, it's so valuable just to kind of be out there, you know, you know, not always talking about mental health. We don't just go out there screaming mental health this, <laughs> mental health that. But right. I, think the, I think the best part about that is, you know, when people are feeling it and when people need to talk, whether it's about a friend, whether it's about themselves, whether it's about their mom, their dad, their brother, their sister, you know, they now start feeling feeling comfortable towards bringing that up, especially in our specific friend group, because we know that, hey, like this is this is going to help you. This is going to make you so much better. And the more we attack it like that, just the better it feels. And, and you just feel so good about it. And, and I think that's uh, something I'm, you know, I don't mean Mike are really blessed with. I could I could really say anything to him. And I know he's not going to judge me or think I'm weak or, you know, he, in fact, he's right. a opposite. he thinks, you know, we think we're that's strong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, what's nice too, because I know, I mean, a lot of my friends are counselors. All of my friends are in the mental health arena, except for a couple that don't work in it. But I went to the movies with Melanie Van, our program director. We were in New York and it was a really a stressful visit and expensive as New York is and all this. And we went and we saw a movie and it was some war movie. And like just through the credits, I started to have like major anxiety and I looked at her and I said, I can't sit through. I literally am going to come out of my skin. I cannot sit through this movie. I'm so sorry. I am. So, and she really wanted to see it. And I was like, you can stay here. I'll go back to the hotel. I just can't sit through this movie. And it's so nice to have a friend that's like, of course, let's go. That's fine. Let's take care of you. I'm not going to sit here while you're having anxiety. Let's go. That is really cool. I think that's really special, too, because you have that opportunity, whether, you know, sometimes it's, oh, you know, I, we can get through this. Let, let's go. I know this makes you uncomfortable. And also to counter that, too, in a good way, sometimes that friend will challenge you and will make you and will make you say, all right, like I know you're having anxiety, but but let's let's challenge the anxiety. Let's challenge the OCD. Yeah. And that feels so good because when you have someone that cares and that you're open with, they they know when to push your buttons and when to not, in a sense. That's and that's so such true. a valuable asset to have. Good point. Good point.
This reminds me of I was in and out of the hospital like a good five or six times between 2008 and 2011. And during that time, I isolated and I was like, nobody's going to get it. I thought that people were kind of like backing away from me and like rejecting me because of the problems I was having. But I now I think it was more because like I wasn't really telling them what was going on in my mind or, you know, what I was talking about in my doctor's office. So they kind of didn't realize what was going on. So I isolated, like ran to LA for a while, like stopped talking to all my friends and family that I'd, you know, been hanging out with my whole life. And during that time I'd come out and I'd end up back in the hospital and I'd come out and I'd end up back in the hospital. And then in like 2012, I started talking to my friends again. And then I did end up back in the hospital in 2013 but that time it was only for a week. And now since then I haven't been back. So I think being open with everybody and, you know, breaking that ice and, you know, having support when I got out and telling them like, listen, this is what's going on made it easier for me to get into some kind of like recovery routine that last time rather than the first time when I had no one and I kept ending up back in the hospital. Yeah, very true. Very true. I know my depression gets has gotten less and less and less um, every because I usually about the fall, I come out of a cannon in the spring mm. and I try to get as much done as I possibly can all the way through summer because I know I'm going to come fall through winter. And now I, th that still comes to a certain degree, but it doesn't end up being clinical anymore it's just okay this it's winter it's time you know the bear hibernates you know this, yeah. this is okay you don't have to <gasps> it's coming oh my god you know um, yeah. because i have this show and i can talk on it. i've talked i've done shows completely in the middle of an anxiety attack completely depressed on purpose like this wow. is the real deal you know this is i'm not feeling good but we're doing a show. I don't even have to say that listeners can tell by my voice. She is really not holding it together very well, but you know, that's life. That is real freaking life. Yeah. And it gives you that kind of feeling of empowerment too, to know that you, you, you went through this anxiety attack and you're still giving the show, you know, yeah. and, you're, and you're still being yourself. You're still being vulnerable. You're still giving people an opportunity to hear you for who you are. And that's what so many people need to hear because you know, who you are isn't always perfect. You're not always in control. No. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. So now we're going to segue into our topic. I brought this up because who was it? Was it Mike or John that listened to a show that I did on spiritual warfare? Uh, it was Mike. Mike. Okay. So I did that, I think, with um, spiritual healer that I work with, um, Martha Jeknowski. Does that name ring a bell? Um. I have one thing that really resonated with me and exactly why I mentioned it. I just feel like uh -huh. I'm saying the word. Um, it was someone mentioned rape by impersonation. And mm. I thought it was, it was something I've never heard before. It was something that really hit me in the chest hard. And I realize in this world how few people really, you know, sort of, impersonate their inner feelings. They're very genuine. I, I mean, I get to do interviews with people who are open about this kind of stuff, but then I look around my world and when I'm sitting in a bar or when I'm reading a paper on a bench or when I'm at work and I see how many people impersonate their inner feelings and, and how much I take into account somebody's inner feelings when, you know, for say that, you know, I, I'm in a relationship with them or I sleep with them or, you know, I share my secrets with them. Um, 
it was a scary feeling to me that that could be so impactful because I've never felt that. And I guess I've been lucky, but I can't imagine the toll that takes on someone to be so vulnerable with them and to be so open with them and to them be really impersonating who they are internally, right. not to mention all the other ways you can impersonate yourself, you know? So yeah, that's why I brought up that episode and that's why it's, you know, in this, in this world of, of Me Too and radical consent, I mean, we have to be speaking about this more intelligently um, and we have to be looking at how this affects people over time. Mm, thank you. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> I just got chills. I knew yeah. you were going to like that one when I, I heard know. it. <laughs> that was like, just did it, done again, end of that. Well, I've just, I've seen the trend in, in previous episodes recently and it's, <laughs> you're, you're spot on with the... Uh, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Well, and then that's right in line with, you know, when we're talking about spiritual warfare, when I, when I showed up at this woman that I, that has become a very close friend, she's like my spiritual mother. Um, when I showed up on her doorstep to work with her, it was after, you know, having run into quite a number of people that were doing that with me. And, um, uh, well, I didn't, I didn't have sex with them, but they, but could have, it could have gone in that direction. Um, and I certainly know many people who have. And I realized I was raised by some of these people too. And so she turned the court, you know, the, the subject around and she said, listen, I want to throw something out at you. You can be upset with me if you want, but um, have you thought about, you know, spiritual warfare? And I was like, well, explain what you mean. And she said, well, I think that um, sometimes when you're someone that stands in the truth um, you can get attacked in, in some ways because that's very jarring for people that are not standing in the truth. And if you look at it from a spiritual perspective, she said, what would, what would you think if I said that you and these people that have been very, very hurtful, what if you all made a deal before you got here? to this experience of being um, a human and you you made a pact that they were going to do that to you because that was what was going to push you to the next greatest soul growth for you you said how, how would you feel about that thinking about you know what some of these people have done and i was like uh i'm gonna need to get back to you next week <laughs> that's tough thing to swallow right there that's uh yeah, I understand yeah. it, but it's, you know, that's tough to tell somebody that like, you know, bad things are meant to happen kind of deal. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get back to you in a week, too. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the perspective of I think, you know, and I hope someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but of Judaism, I, I mean, that's a, a core tenet of, of what that is. And we're, we're made to suffer and that the suffering makes everything else better. Um, and I think that's a lot of ways of it's transforming into the line that, you know, my mental illness or my mental health disorder is my superpower. I mean, you heard Kanye right. say it, John, you've said it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a derivation of that and a softer one and a gentler one to ourselves, which is a positive thing, but definitely rooted in, I think, a, a lot of history. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think when you go through kind of experiences and you know, you really get kicked down and kind of hit in the face, so to speak, and all the wind knocked out of you and everything that you've ever fought for kind of gets, you know, you know, especially when you suffer, you overthink it and you think everything you ever thought for is, is gone away and it's just gone. 
it's very easy to, you know, it's, there's sometimes it's, there's only two options in your head. It's let's, let's fight this or let's keep wilting in a sense. And, and it's so mm-hmm. important that you, you kind of keep pushing that and you keep that again, that, that spiritual meaning and saying, listen, I, I trust myself. I have to trust who I am. You know, I have to trust some of the people around me. I have to, I have to make sure that, you know, that, you know, you, you have to feel that power sometimes. And it's not always easy, but, you know, like, again, like for me, it's, it's tricky because when there's so many times, you know, I've been in a bad cycle where I'm like in bed and I'm just like, oh, well, how am I going to get up? Like, I, I don't really have it. And then I'll get like a call from Mike or I'll get a call from someone. I'll be like, let's go. And then I'll get on a phone call and I'll talk for like two hours and I'll be like, oh, here we go. And I'll let it go. And, and like, it'll be a cycle. I'm like, oh, here we go. All right. I got the energy back, baby. Let's fucking go. And, you know, I just keep going. And it's just like, I just like, cause I was thinking back to actually a specific moment back in like, in August, I'm sorry, not in August, in April, uh, August, August is next month, uh, but in April. Uh, You're a time traveler as well. I'm a time traveler. So I was hey, thinking man, back uh, back to the specific moment. I had just gone through a tough, um, I'd just gone through a real tough situation in my own head. And I was trying to figure out oh, what am I going to do with my life? You know, and all of a sudden those thoughts start going and you start freaking yourself out. And then Mike was actually away. He was in Uruguay and he comes back and we get on the phone for about an hour and a half. And all of a sudden I was like, well, here we go again and he started you know to, you know i because I, I had it it's funny because me and mike work work so closely together that you know i hadn't worked with him in a few weeks he was gone it was kind of you know there was a lot of disorder going on in, in my own head uh, i was right. still getting over kind of a past relationship that was still you know messing my own thoughts up and and then i started going and and i, I just i i just used that conversation to kind of you know keep pushing forward and, and when you use that and you realize that you have that in you, even when you're at some of your lowest points, that you still have that incredible rush of energy in you. I think that's a powerful feeling, too, because, it, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I'm saying some, obviously it's better sometimes to feel consistent. Don't get me wrong. But it was just nice for me to know that I still had that in me. And whenever right. I go to a dark place, I remember that. And I remember I have this in me. You know, you're still the same person. You're still fine. You still have this power harness that power and capture it you know you're gonna be okay and i think that's such an important thing for people to realize that you know even when you're in those dark moments you could still have those 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 light those light moments and feel a lot better you know life's a journey and that's that's really the only choice you have right i mean because like you said if you just keep wilting which i've been known to wilt for (laughs) for years at a time and that never really got me anywhere it was always saying like all right like you know, I could have easily after 10 hospitalizations, like just been like, forget it, I'm done. Like I'm either going to be in the hospital system the rest of my life, or, you know, I'm just going to take my life. And and that's what I wanted to do for a while, because I felt like the road to start feeling like myself again was way too long to even get on that road and start that process. But now looking back five years after the last hospitalization, seven years since stuff, you know, shit was really bad. I'm so glad that, you know, I, I guess, you know, you say made the most of it. Right. I mean, you know, it, it's not easy. And I, sometimes I sign into the computer and I can't stand when people are like, you can do it. Like, it's going to get better. And I, I'm just like, do you have any idea? Like, have you ever been in a psych ward for 48 days? Like, no, it's, it's, but I mean, in the end, like realistically, that's, that's the only choice you have or else you're giving up. And, uh, you know, sometimes, I don't know, I, I hate to even say that because, you know, like if I did end it, like, was I giving up? I don't know. Like, I feel like I was just like succumbing to some power that was a lot stronger than me. And like, you know, I wasn't going to win at that time, but I don't know. I 
don't know. I think about that too. I think about um, that I've I've wanted to um, not be here once a decade, and I'm 48. So um, it, at some point, every decade, I get to that really low, low point, and just have always had general low-lying depression. And uh, I got to that point last year, and had a big family trauma happen and I was like I just don't this is it like I can't you know I'm thinking about things like spiritual warfare like what what was that about like coming at the other side of it now I'm like oh my god I am so happy that that happened I needed all of that pain to happen because you know, it's, it was something I couldn't look at for years, years. And you really can only deal with things when you're talking about huge amounts of trauma, you really can only deal with things when you can deal with them. You can't just magically go to a 30 day program and boop, all your past traumas now, you know, gone. This stuff comes when you're, when you're able to handle it. So, you know, that happened and I handled it and I woke up in this year and went, first time ever I want to live. And I'm not somebody who, you know, was feel unloved or alone or like I hadn't uh, accomplished anything. I mean, I had this whole network and I was like, well, they'll be fine without me. They're great. Everybody's great. They'll just keep doing their thing. They don't need me to do it. I mean, that's, I was just like, I just, this is one more heartbreak that I don't want to go through. I don't have it in me. I don't want to deal with it, but I did. And I am, and now I know what it's like to want to actually live instead of, oh, I just got to get through another day. And it's Mm -hmm. the great part about that when you look at it, you know, from any perspective, including spiritual is, oh, because I really have a purpose just like you all do. I know what my purpose is here. My soul's purpose is to do exactly what I'm doing and beyond. And I couldn't embrace it the way that I have this year had I not gone through that and made a choice that I want to be here. So I'm like, well, that wasn't a bad thing that happened, although it was exceedingly painful, but spiritually or anything, it needed to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And and what, I, I always hesitate to ask this question, but what do you think, helped you to get out of it? What was the difference this time? Mm, Support. This having talked to so many people. I mean, I, the whole reason I started this podcast was to interview as many people about mental health as possible, because it's something I've struggled with my whole life and it's a family thing and, you know, throughout the generations. So having this foundation of knowledge from doing a show for five years and then being able to like reach out to you, Joe, that yeah. long winded email that I've sent to you. And then having my friend, Melanie, having, having my friends um, around being like, whatever you need to do, Kristen, we're here. It was that. And it was just knowing like what you guys have already said too, that you have gotten through so much stuff. Like you really have, there is a purpose for this. And just it's that incredible combination of like inner strength. Yep plus the support of people around you. Exactly. And realizing that going through that 
is a testament to how strong you are. It is nothing to do with weakness. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, what me and John have noticed from, you know, like you interviewing people who have been suffering or, or are close to people who are suffering is that sometimes this spiritual warfare, this trauma and this, you know, inner struggle plus external struggle um, is mollifying. And it's really, it, it really brings someone, someone's spine into, into position in a sense, to <laughs> yeah. help them yeah. correct a lot of other things. And it sort of gives you that backbone to say, all right, if I'm ever up against the wall again, which you no doubt will be in your life, mm-hmm. as you said, every decade or more than that, how many times and how many years, Joe? How many times, you know? And it's like, yeah. if you can have that that internal backbone, then you're able to start reaching out for support. And you're able to start, you know, doing that. And it's just, I guess it's sad, if I don't have a better word for it, to, to know that so much of that comes from other traumas and, and being able to, yeah. to weather them. It's just, it's sad. And it's people who, who are diagnosed and aren't diagnosed. That is something we see across the board. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. What do you mean by that? People who are diagnosed and aren't diagnosed. You mean the difference between the two? Yeah, so I think of um, I think of somebody who maybe was born with sepsis, right? And nobody noticed it until six or eight weeks in, and their physiological makeup has had them you know, be a real individualistic and chippy person. And then Mm -hmm. I think of, you know, someone who at 10, 12 years old was diagnosed with OCD, then depression, then anxiety, and see those different paths materialize as both traumatic things. Um, And through those experiences, whether known, unknown, subconscious or conscious, spiritual, not spiritual, um, have sort of created this, this inner sanctum of, you know, belief, I guess. Resilience. Uh, yeah, resilience, yeah. much better word. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, you know, and that, and that resilience, I think is what pushes, you know, um, you know, pushes people, people forward. It's what pushes people like us forward, push people, pe- not like us, like me individually, us, but I'm, I'm talking us collectively right. and, and, and anyone out there listening is, you know, every, again, I think everyone's story, everyone's journey is so, so different. But when you know that there's someone else going through this, you know there's someone else fighting with you, it makes you fight even more when your back's against the wall because you're not going to let them down. You're going to, you know, one thing I always do, my back's against the wall, I say there's so many other people just like this. I'm not going to let them down. I know if I get through this day and I keep fighting, then it's a win for everyone. It's, you know, as silly as that sounds, like if you're out there suffering, you get through that next day, that's, you know, that's really, 
A win for humanity. Um, a win for the collective psyche. Yeah. Good point. Oh, I'm going to think of that the next time. Yeah. That's yeah. absolutely like that. because there's a, there's a 12, 13 year old who just got diagnosed with OCD and who's probably freaking themselves out right now, wondering what's going to go on. There's someone that's so so anxious right now that they can't get out of bed, but when they know that you're there going, it, it's it's a huge win. They might not know it now, obviously. You know, they might not know us personally. They might not know it know it individually. But as they keep fighting and as their experience starts shaping their lives. It's a cycle, and they're going to realize that their fight matters so much more than they ever imagined. Wow. Wow. Mm. Nuggets of wisdom. There's like 20 <laughs> memes out of this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just that's the special thing about it is, you know, when you do struggle and when you do feel it, you know, you feel, I think something that I always struggle with is I feel other people's pain a lot. You know, I, I feel when yeah. a friend is suffering, whether they have a mental illness or not, I just feel them when they're suffering. And that gets to my own head. And, I, and it's something that's not always easy for for, for me to deal with. And I, I mean, with you guys, how does that, how about for you guys, how, how does other people's journeys and other people's, how does that toll take on, on, on your psyche, I guess? Joe, you first. <laughs> you know, I think there's really a balance to it because I need it to like, I need the story to naturally come to me or I need to naturally meet somebody. I can't go on the computer anymore and just read like the last thousand tweets about, you know, people that are suffering. Um, that doesn't work anymore. Like, but it, that would have helped when everything first started because I couldn't find anyone that, well, I, I knew a lot of people that were living with mental illness, um, but no one that would talk about it. And then I came across like one or two people and I was like, oh my God, I was like, people are talking about it. And then connected with a couple people and was like, oh my God, like not only are they talking about it, but they're talking about it like it's not even a big deal. And it was like, wait, oh, I can do that. And I didn't think that I could before. And then since the, you know, then it was, I started, you know, doing some stuff with This Is My Brave and I met like a whole group of people, you know, 14, 15 people that were all talking about what they had went through. And, and I feel like we all kind of like, you know, had each other's back and gave each other like a little bit of foundation, like moving forward in life, you know, like we, we were all a little bit stronger from that. And then I got involved in deconstructing stigma and that was 35 people. And we all kind of like, we were from all over the country, you know, this is my brave. We were all from New York. So it was like a local thing. And then deconstructing stigma was a countrywide thing. And, you know, we only met like once or twice and we all got stronger from that. And that like, after that, I was like, oh, I was like, so maybe every time I go to a high school or maybe every time I do, you know, a radio show or write a book, like maybe maybe I'm not, you know, helping people out on like the, the social media standard of like hundreds of thousands, millions at a time. But even if like, I'm, I'm helping one or two people or not even helping, like they're helping me. It's like, if, if we just keep making each other stronger and the yes. thought that keeps popping into my head is Kristen did an interview and I don't remember who, um, cause I edit a lot of shows, but, <laughs> but my voice way too much. Yes. <laughs> but basically, um, he said it might have been Dr. Meyer, but it was uh, if if you go out and you have, you know, this presentation that you do and you go by yourself, you're maybe, oh. helping, you're maybe helping 100 people. But if you go out with one other person, you're not helping 200 people. You're now helping a thousand. 
Wow. Just by meeting that one other person, that ripple is now affecting 10 times as many people yes. as you could on your own, rather than just twice as many. That's why we have a network. <laughs> well, Joe, I think um, I think you know that better than anybody. You you wrote about it pretty eloquently. Yeah, and to yeah. add to that, to add to that, I, I'm going to read a quote by one of my favorite authors. It goes, "I can't save the world. You can't save the world. We can only live our lives, do our best, and hope that our kindness and faith show us that there is an easier way to live, and will inspire the rest." That's exponential power. Mm, yeah. yeah. Well, that, was actually, that was written by Joe, and, and that's yeah. that I that that's really helped change my life for the better. And and as I, I wrote to him, I'll never forget. I even, I wrote it's. I, I'll even read what I wrote. I said it's something I've always struggled with. Uh, that's that's that pressure to feel good. Well, I only feel good if I save the world. Am I less of a person if I don't? Is my meaning less? And then and then mm. when I heard that, and you say how that one person. You know, you just being yourself and talking to that one person can impact a thousand people without you realizing it. You just can only focus on being that light for someone. And, you know, that can, it can lead to being the light for a lot of others without you realizing it. But that's a that's a powerful quote, Joe. Thank you. And, and it, I think that's the problem now is like we're trained in society that unless we're helping a million a day, we're not doing anything. And I think I struggled with that for a while when I first started all this, because that's just, you know, like you're not successful. Even family would ask me like, well, how many listens is your show getting? Or how many books mm -hmm. did you sell? Because that's how people measure yes. success. Oh and I'm God. like, oh my God. I'm like, if you even knew how hard it was for me to get up and go to this high school and talk to 25 kids today, mm -hmm. I was like, that's what matters to me. I don't, I don't care how many likes or views or, you know what I mean? Like that. And I, I think that, I think that, society as a whole is struggling with that right now like this inflated monetary fake view of how we're supposed to rank people and things and I, I think that's something that I struggle with spiritually and it's getting better as I get older because I'm realizing like to keep my circle you know small for the most part like it not not be a you know isolated and hermit but uh, but like to that it doesn't really matter like how far i spread myself out it's about having like good friends and good family close to me that really matters and and helping people in my community means a lot more to me than traveling around the country burning out and then ending up back in the hospital because i didn't take care of bipolar and anxiety which is you know, priority number one and Joe, that's a great point you bring up because I've started to think like that too. You know, I've always, I used to always struggle when I was a kid. I remember we talked about this at Double Days a, a couple, a couple weeks ago. You know, and I, when I was a kid, I was always like, oh, you know, you know, I don't want to, I want to make money. I want to do good in a sense. I just want to keep going. And it's the way we work in society. It's, it's not easy. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't really work like that, but it was just, it's just so important that, you know, he, people shouldn't judge themselves or rank themselves based on this financial power that they have. I think that's the silliest thing ever. And I see it all the time. And it really yeah. frustrates me because I, I don't really understand why. Yeah, I get you hurt, you work hard, you get somewhere. But but the point is, it's it's I, I just think, I, like you said, the value of knowing that you could go into that, that school with 25 kids and realize that what you're saying is really helping those kids get through that day and helping them. That's what really matters. And that's what matters to a lot of people too. And uh, that really hit home. 
Yeah, like, like I don't really want to sell out an arena. Like, I think that that's kind of strange when you have no, 50, hundreds of thousands of people like screaming your name kind of deal. Like, I don't want people to need me. I want people to need take something away from our conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I really, I think that the whole follower concept is strange a little bit. Um, yeah. That we want to follow somebody because of how much money they have or because they said something outlandish rather than like respecting like quiet, calm people just doing good things. Yes. <laughs> like, like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> like, why aren't we yeah. celebrating that? And that that's confusing to me. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I had a friend that, you know, every week was like just upset about somebody perceived doing better than him, you know, with, with how many likes and followers and how many of this and that and how many speaking gigs they got. And it was just this constant thing. And I know that was part of his anxiety, but I was like, dude, it doesn't matter. Do you know you guys? I mean, anybody can ask Melanie, how often do I even check my own numbers of my show? Never. Like if I have to, I literally don't. It's not about that. And I'll tell you the companies that come in because, I, you know, I can't I this has to be funded. What I'm doing has to be funded and it gets funded by advertising by other companies advertising. And I'm not even doing it that way where you go you know, how, how many clicks and how many listens and I have to da, 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 da. We don't do it like that. And we're probably the only podcast organization that does it that way, but we just don't, we don't, I don't want anyone to ask me, well, how many downloads? That's not what it's about. You're either invested in what we're doing and you know that your company is a good company doing good things. If you support a company like ours or go advertise with another podcast that has, you know, hair salon, not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, talking about celebrity gossip or whatever, go advertise there. If, if you're, right. if that's what you're wanting, but if you're going to do it here, you're, you're on a, this is a, a big journey. And it was so great today to talk to, I'm going to give a plug to one of our sponsors, my genetics, M Y G E N E T X.com, because I spoke to their chief science officer today and I hadn't showed him, shown him the network in like seven months. Cause we've just been busy. And, uh, so I shared screen shared and I showed him and he was like, Oh my gosh, look at all the people that you guys are affecting. This is amazing. This is why we like being involved with you guys. I want to do more. That's the kind of people that we have show up to sponsor our network. And that has nothing to do with how many downloads we get. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's, you know, that's a fair point. I think um, we always think about the, the final path of likes and comments and views as as dollars and everybody yes. can see and popularity too of course mm -hmm. yeah it's and what is popularity. Cloud, but you know path to dollars and cents but you know i think when we you know i guess we we haven't tied it back that much to spiritual warfare on our end but i think about it too in, in dollars and cents you know I started my career in banking and in this thing called investment banking. And I thought, you know, oh, like, you know, let's go pay off my school loans. Let's do this and let's do that. And just the attraction of, you know, how much money you can make and the amount of sort of microaggression and the amount of mm -hmm. mental hygiene that's left on the table at all of those places is, 
was pretty devastating. And I think to get out of there was so much harder than I thought it would be. I spent three oh, years, yeah. um, you know, making sure that I could, you know, at least be financially stable after I left. Um, and I dug myself so deep into a hole of saying, you know, how can I do this? My family's going to be better off if, you know, I have all this money. My kids are going to be better off. I can do this with that money and this with that money. And um, I had to really, you know, spend countless hours of therapy as someone, again, who's not diagnosed with any mental health disorder to even try to make that decision, to try to plan yeah. out my life without, you know, that um, addiction to the dollar. Um, and I felt That's like that spiritual was really warfare right there. Yeah, I really did think it was like that. And it was like it changed my life forever. And it took me another four or five years after that to get to this point. And that was you know, a stint in politics, a stint in tech, you know, still sort of chasing that type of thing. And now, you know, saying there's no way there's got to be a better, a better yeah. way to, you know, work hard and, and feel good about yourself. Um, it's, it's all this psychological programming that we've had oh, throughout our lives, you know, all these, all these things that we see in commercials and, you know, yes. paid advertisements and, uh, things that are on TV where people get, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to just excite us and not really tell us what's real or how life is. You know, they're just paid to excite us every day and really give us no foundation or no nothing to move forward on. What we're supposed to look like that we yeah. you can't yeah. be happy unless you're mated to someone and you found your other half. Uh, no, your other half is yourself. <laughs> if you want to partner up with somebody when you have both your own halves together, that's fine, but don't do it to fill a void because that person's going to be miserable. And so are you. Mm. So that's another you know, thing that we're told the opposite of in society. And the reality about money is it's just energy. That's, that's right. what it is. It's not good or bad. What we do with it is good or bad. And if you, every time I want money or I need money for something, especially on what I choose to spend it on in my life now, it shows up for me every single time. Every time. That's an interesting and, concept. I've never heard someone talk about money like that, to be honest. Oh, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It's energy and then it shows up for me. I never thought of money. Well, absolutely. Listen, I had days, I told Joe this, I had days during this dark period where I was like, you know, because I literally spent all a lot. I made a lot of money in consulting and I put it all into this. And I'm sorry, listeners, you've heard me say that a thousand times, but I can't think of a better place to put the money that I made. But there were times where I was like, I don't think I can make payroll. I really don't. And somewhere it just I'd be like and my, my ex-husband, my close friend finally said, would you just stop worrying about obviously you're meant to do this you're fine you're the one who says money is energy can you just believe it now finally and you know i do i, I do well and the more i do the more it shows up yes and on the other end of that spectrum when i was in la i spent you know like I had like a thousand dollars when i went out there and i spent like six or seven hundred on day one to get um, like a nice hotel for a few days. And I was like, oh, I'll figure it out after that. So I, I got kicked, not kicked out of that hotel, but I ran out of money and I'm walking down the street and I get to a hostel and it's like, you know, $28 a night. So I'm like, all right, I got like $300 right now. Like I can make this last for a little while. So I found a place to stay and 
on my 10th day of staying there when I was just about like tapped out of like any money, any cash, any money in the bank, uh, they asked me if I wanted a job there because I had just been like talking to people. And, and so it's like, you're right. And it, yeah. it, it, well, <laughs> no, but I just, I, I did, I thought I was done. I was like, I'm, I'm going to be homeless in like two days. And, and yeah, and something happened. And, and at the time, like my idea of what I wanted was smaller. So what I got was small. I yes. thought I only deserved a bed in a 10 bedroom room and a hostel. So that's what I got. But yeah, I could see how that as I've started getting better, like my idea, like my relationship with money has gotten better. And, you know, maybe I'm in a little bit better place to do something better the next time around. Yep. I don't know. Absolutely. But then there was times where I had nothing. So <laughs> there was times oh. where I had negative everything. But maybe oh, I God. needed that in order to turn everything around, you know. Exactly. Like there's no there's the path to getting where you are today is was yeah. paved with everything that it was supposed to in order to get you here. I mean, me and my ex has been digging through couch cushions to find enough change to buy a Burger King fry so that we could take our wild three-year-old to play on the Burger King playground. Uh, we did that stuff and we had all kinds of financial issues and, you know, the thought that we were horrible people because of it. And now we're the stable ones in the family <laughs> amongst the people that have all this money and they're so stressed and whatever, but money isn't the, isn't the bad thing. It's, it's, it just really is just energy. You just have to shift your consciousness around that and start seeing things differently. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, I, I wish, you know, we're, we're obviously starting in this, you know, whole nonprofit world and, you know, yep. we, we understand that, you know, we, we live and die on donations and yep. you know, as John is, and, you know, Dr. Kelly, another, you know, influential person to the foundation, you know, asked me to do something like this. I think about, you know, what's the longevity of it and how do we have to grow this? And I know that money is a key issue to it. So, you know, I'm starting to sort of like almost soften the edge to say, hey, you know, we're going to have to fundraise. And even if we feel terrible about asking people for money, mm. we have to promise ourselves that we'll be, you know, responsible stewards of that in, in the long run. And that, you know, we'll understand that, you know, the academic community and, you know, the research community are going to be the people who solidify sort of the, the change in society's view. Um, and and, and yeah. content like this is really you know, we can never prove this through research, but we know it's just as important. So we, if we can oh, keep yeah. doing this and keep pushing good money towards good research, towards good right. grants, towards good tools for the mental health community, you know, there's there's no reason why this money can't be can't be raised in a in a real responsible and thoughtful way. And, and you it deserve it. Be horrible. Yeah. yeah thank you, you, Joe. Joe it. says this stuff for me. Yeah. No, go, no, no. Go, go, go to Joe. No, go, 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 go. I mean, you deserve it. I mean, look at all the people that mm -hmm. right now are just cheating people and, you know, making fake funds and buying property that they can't afford with fake loans. And I, I mean, so, you know, in reality, their donation is going towards something that one, um, you guys deserve it. And the people that you're helping deserve that help, because I don't know if the yeah. government's just going to jump in and start helping all the people with physical or mental illness. I just don't mm -hmm. see that happening anytime soon. So you're doing a service that really our government and society isn't providing and, you know, people appreciate you for it.
Absolutely. It makes us, you know, I really, really appreciate that. And, you know, the way you guys, the way you guys both put it, it's, it makes us feel, you know, one of the things I used to always have a lot of OCD about was money. It just has always been something that, that would always, oh, I don't want to ask for this. I don't, oh, what if, you know, what if I sound like this way? And I'll I'll get Mm -hmm. in my my own head and say, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, shouldn't be doing this. But then, you know, when you hear someone like Joe just go on that amazing, say that amazing point, me and Mike are sitting here looking at each other going, God, Joe's the man. God, we can do this for another month. We can do this for another year. You know what it is? It's the Italian Italian blood in us. It's the Italian (laughs) blood in us. We were brought up that, like, unless you're setting stones for, like, 14 hours a day, you haven't done anything. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Isn't there, like, cutting lawns from in the morning till midnight? You know, like, you haven't done anything with your life that day, and you're, you're a waste, and you're weak, and... That's so that's all that is. Uh, it's, new, it's, it's a new generation. It's it's not like that anymore. You got us doing mental push-ups in a good way now. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Exactly. That's hilarious. Well, this has been this has been very enlightening. I dig you guys. I mean, all of you. I mean, this is it's I'm so hopeful, or not even hopeful. I, I don't even have to be hopeful. I now know that people, you know, guys in their 20s talk and think the way that you do. And, you know, I'll have people to vote for for president later. Only if they only if they want yeah. to run and ruin their lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things will change by then. You, could, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to run for that office. Oh my God. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. The leaders yeah. of our country. You guys are made, you, oh, that means a lot. Stick, stick to nonprofits, man. <laughs> <laughs> Joe said that for me about I was sending him shows saying, oh, don't put our mid-roll commercial in there because I don't want our listeners to, you know, have to listen to a commercial and, you know, that's annoying. And he was like, Kristen, he said the same thing to me in an email, like, no, you're, you know, the same thing you just said to you. And I went, I immediately shifted my consciousness and went, he's absolutely right. I mean, what people are pushing, yeah, people are pushing, you know, cheeseburgers and erection pills on every network channel. Like, don't worry about pushing genetic testing for, yeah, exactly. for better mental health care and electronic health records to do a good job. And yeah, exactly. Our, our sponsors are like really do gooder organizations. So, well, gentlemen, please tell our listeners. Sorry, I said we could thread the needle, you know. tell our listeners where they can find out about your organization so they can go and to your events and also donate Uh, absolutely so you can go to www.jckfoundation.org and we will be glad to to listen to anyone we want to hear everyone's stories we want to be there one thing that we've noticed is the power of openness the power of content and and really most importantly the power of really being yourself and knowing that there's yes. other people that want to help you be yourself and there's other stories that are just like you that are willing to help you and um yeah so so you could go there you go to jckfoundation.org and we have our big event on saturday july 28th and um there's gonna be a, a lot of good things coming in the fall yeah and tell us the name of your podcast and how they can find your podcast sure so we're doing all uh 
sort of a whole website redesign too. So you'll see that sort of going on this summer, but our podcast is going to be collected layers. It used to be doming out, which, which means a lot to us, but we decided to sort of open it up to the name collected layers um, to sort of try to try to really bridge this gap between sufferers and non-sufferers and see if we can't find uh, plenty more sort of connection points. Um, so we're going to be interviewing people from all different backgrounds, from people in the movement, out of the movement, you know, with mental health disorders, without mental health disorders, of all different, you know, race, creeds, colors, socioeconomic, you know, levels. Um, you know, we're really going to try to collect them all. So uh, Awesome. Uh, That's yeah, we're so excited. great. We're excited for season three in October for sure. Man. That is awesome. Well, th- thank you both for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's Thanks. a pleasure. Thanks for having us here. I mean, this is honestly, uh, things I love are just we're able to sit down and spend an hour and just talk about really about mental health, talk about anything. And it, yep. it means a lot to us. And um, thank you so much. Absolutely. And thanks, Joe, for being my um, my sidekick and for introducing yeah. me to more great guys. Oh, my gosh. No problem. Thank thank you, guys. Thank you, Kristen, John, Mike. It's, I'm, I'm sure there'll be more of these. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Hope okay. so. That was fun. That was so much fun. Yeah, we're so, we're so used to doing yeah. it. We'll do this every week, whenever you want. Yeah, whenever you want. We're more than happy to. We'll bring the passion, babe. We'll bring the energy, the passion. Whatever you need, we're here. Let's go. Woo! All right, listeners, you heard it here, and we're not editing that out. Thank you for tuning in to Metal News Radio. <laughs> good intentions i heat up and act on my emotions thanks so much for listening to mental health news radio our podcast can be found on itunes stitcher and hundreds of other podcast apps or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com if you have a question or would like to be a guest become a podcaster on our network or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight it. Good boy. We'll bring the passion, babe. We'll bring the energy, the passion. <laughs> Whatever you need, we're here. Let's go. <laughs> Woo! All right.